Uh, this morning, I'm really delighted to have a, a man that I consider a friend. I met him several years ago. Uh, he is a longtime missionary. I do recognize that. He was, I was picking, I said, I didn't know he was a missionary. No, he's a longtime missionary to, uh, to, to the Asia area. He was in Laos and Cambodia and Vietnam and all that region over there, regional director, uh, pastored in Ohio and Pennsylvania. Uh, he now, he's now uh, in Springfield where he is over Life Publishers, and they're the ones that do the, the, the Fire Bible, the translations uh, of the Fire Bible. Uh, we have been a part of that. I enjoy the Fire Bible. Uh, we've talked about the Silk Road Project, which is we'll receive an offering for that at the end of the service. But uh, he's just such a delight. I enjoy being with him. Uh, what a man of faith, a man of prayer, a man of vision. And we're just honored to have him with us this morning. And so I'm not going to take any more time. He, uh, he's with us. He, he's looking forward to, you don't have to crawl on the platform, but uh, he is, uh, he's looking at having a, uh, both knees replaced next month. And so uh, I, I, he doesn't have to crawl up here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we're, yeah, <laughs> come on up here, old man. <laughs> but uh, it is such a joy to have. Uh, Jeffrey Dove with us this morning, and uh, I know he's going to bless your heart. Every time I'm with him, I'm always blessed. And so would you just make him welcome this morning? Thank you. <laughs> Praise God. Aren't you glad you're in church? Amen. I felt sorry, felt sorry for my sister. Wasn't able to preach this morning, but I, I felt like she was about ready to bust loose any minute in, in that in the heavenly language, <laughs> Spanish. She knows I'm talking about her, so she's getting translation right now. I love these missionaries that were up here, don't you? Yeah, I, I, amen. Give my hand again, please. <clears throat> I've known Marcy casually forever. We served in the same part of the world for quite a while. She's a warrior for God. Your money will be well spent. I love Chi Alpha ministry. I hate it when they have Chi Alpha ministries in the mission service. It just wrecks me. I, the last three times I was in one, I had to fill out pledge forms myself. <laughs> you know it's a bad day when a missionary puts his hand in his own pocket. <clears throat> so give, give, me your, <laughs> give me your numbers and we'll, <laughs> we'll do something. God help us. My wife's going to divorce me. But we're, <laughs> we're, we're going to do something. We... If you've never been on a college campus lately, you don't understand what's going on. It's the most fruitful place in our country, outside of perhaps children's ministries. It's the most fruitful place in our country to reach people that are unreachable in any other context. So your Chi Alpha missionaries are doing just that. They're not just holding a Bible study and drinking coffee and having a good time with donuts and Krispy Kreme and all the other stuff. They're reaching into a place where the church is not being felt. But they're there now, so he paid me to do this, so I get 10% of your cut this morning. Father, we thank you for this great church. Thank you for Pastor Mike and Miss Sheila. Thank you for their long, long leadership in this house, this assembly of believers. Father, I ask right now that one more time you step down into this room, deign to come among us and walk these aisles, Lord. Let your Holy Spirit begin to work in the hearts and minds of men. Yes, we need money. Yes, we need resource. Yes, we need monthly support for all the missionaries that are represented here and the other 50, 60, 70 that this church faithfully supports. We do need money, Lord. But more than that, we need the anointing power and the person and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ to walk in this place. 
For, Father, if we're walking in your will, if we're walking according to your plan, if we're obeying what your scripture and what your last words on this planet were to go into all this world, then, Lord, we have the right to expect that you would be with us everywhere, even to the uttermost parts of the world. So, Father, we ask you to be here with us today. Grant me your anointing, your presence as I stand as your ambassador one more time. For five billion people who need Jesus Christ, who need an understanding, who need to hear, who need to understand that Jesus loves them so much. He gave himself on an old rugged cross and then raised himself from the grave that they might have newness of life. Help us this morning, Lord. This is not just a presentation. This is not selling of a vacuum cleaner or just one little thing that the church does. This is who we are, Lord. This is our DNA. We are of the Father, and the Father looks upon the harvest and longs to bring it in. So put that longing within us today, Lord. I purpose to not use manipulation. I purpose to not use guilt. I purpose to not compare, Lord. But I purpose to say as if I'm speaking from the annals of heaven, Lord, come quickly, but before you come, help us to get into Estonia. Help us to get into Kazakhstan. Help us to get into Azerbaijan and Afghanistan. Lord, open the doors in northern Asia. Open the doors in outer Mongolia, Lord. Help us to get into the jungles of Vietnam, Lord. Help us, Father by your Holy Spirit today. Oh God, I sense the anointing of your Spirit in this house this morning. You're here to do something, not just a little bit. You're here to do it all, Lord. You're here to do it all. So Father, help us today. Strengthen your servant, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. And the church said, Amen. Amen. Well, God is here. I grabbed some some Kleenexes on the way up because I'm fixing to make myself cry. I'm not like Jim Baker. I can't do it on purpose, but I just, I felt it was coming on. <laughs> I just offended 15 people, Pastor. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I'm a missionary. Come back. Pastor will never offend you. <laughs> He's offended me a time or two, but he won't do it to you. <sighs> Many of you who are here and you're faithful to this church, you understand uh, what Pastor Mike and Ms. Sheila have gone through in the last couple of years especially the last decade or two and and uh, just being around him makes me love my family and my wife more and more does it do the same thing for you it's truly a love story (laughs) and I'm going to step outside my purview pastor and I'm going to get myself in trouble but (laughs) um, he has a story Sheila has a story that must be told amen and I, I would like for my great and mighty office of Springfield, Missouri, I run the whole town in case you wondered. <laughs> we, want to, we want to write your book. We want to work with you. Don't you want to see that in print, their story? Amen. We want to write your book, Pastor. I couldn't help but think about that last night as I was watching Ohio State getting ready to lose to Notre Dame. <laughs> and I promised the Lord, I said, Lord, if you can just let Ohio State just do one more miracle, one more time, Lord, just put down the Philistines from over there in Notre Dame <laughs> and, uh, and just help us one more time, sir. And, and I'll write Pastor Mike and Miss Sheila's book. And uh, I won't. I'll, I'll, I'll pay someone to do it. <laughs> but we're going to do that. And don't you know God came through? One second on the clock, Ohio State pulled it off. So now all we got to do is we've got to write a book. We've got to write a book. God help us. It's a beautiful, beautiful story of faithfulness and love and passion. Miss Sheila, I don't know if, if you ever get told this, but I hear more about you than any man has ever told me 
about his wife before when I'm with Pastor Mike. I spent four hours with him on the boat yesterday, true confession. I'm not naturally this color. I'm, I'm tanned by the, by the Texas sun from out there trying to catch bass. He talked about Sheila pretty much the whole day. He loves you, ma'am, and it's evident. And I think that story needs to be told. And so we're going to purpose to do that. Praise God. This is how God works this stuff together. I love serving God, don't you? You just never know what's going to happen. I know Pastor Mike said, I wonder when he's going to start doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> I just got, just brought on an intern at our office in Springfield. His name is Samuel. Can't remember his last name. He's brand new. I've only met him twice now in the office. And he sat down, and he's, he's an intern at Evangel University. He's, he's there as a, as a writer, as an editor. He's going to be a professional. He's going to go through his master's degree and, and become a professional writer, if you will. And so I asked him, I said, what, what do you think is going on? Because not everyone that goes to that school is a born-again believer. It's a Christian college, but not everyone is. And I just wondered, and he looked straight across the table at me, didn't know me from Adam. And he said, sir, I believe God has called me to write the stories of people's lives that are making a difference for him. <laughs> I said, hallelujah. <laughs> Can you say amen? That was the day before I came down here and spent the day in the boat with you, and we talked about that book. So I, I believe in divine appointments. I believe God knows what he's doing, even if the guy on the platform doesn't. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Mike, Miss Sheila, for letting me come. Thank you, church, for all that you've done for Fire Bible. Thank you for those who are online watching today. Thank you for your giving, for your faithful regard. I encourage you, if you don't have a Fire Bible, you don't know what a Fire Bible is, get one. I'm not a vacuum cleaner salesman. I don't sell Bibles when I travel. But if you'd like to have one of your very own, we're building these for the top 100 languages on the planet. You might as well have one for yourself, whether that's in English or Spanish or Romanian or Bulgarian or, or Vietnamese or, or Hindi, whatever your heart language is, you ought to have one of your own. Go to firebible.com. You can find them all right there. And I encourage you to buy one for yourself and buy a couple boxes for the people in your neighborhood. Can you say amen? Because anything that we make off our sales goes where? Right back into building fire Bibles for people around the world. Doesn't pay me, doesn't pay my staff. It goes to fire Bibles. So I encourage you to do that. Get a, get a Bible of your own, firebible.com. I became a believer in the fire Bible concept. The construct of this study Bible was this. 77 articles on faith and conduct, not just one person's opinion, but the top Pentecostal scholars across our nation came together and wrote these 77 articles on what it means to be a spirit-led, spirit-filled believer in the modern day. They wrote 77 articles, and then they put commentary at the bottom of every single page of Scripture that helps you understand what's on that page. A book introduction to every single book of the Bible. It gives you historical data. It gives you the name of the author. It gives you the purpose it was written. It shows you the outcomes of that book. It shows you where it's placed in the timeline of history and how this book speaks to the coming redemption of Jesus Christ if it's Old Testament and how it speaks to the redemption of Christ if you're looking back from towards the cross from our side of history. It has a concordance. It has a topical index. It has theme finders. This in English in five or six different languages, five or six different versions, so you take your flavor that you like to read. But beyond that, our goal has been to get it in the top 100 languages in the world, knowing that if we can do that before Jesus comes back, we will have a Bible that's at least readable and understandable by 5.2 billion people on this planet. 
in the language and in the fire Bible. Can you say amen? amen? That's our goal. I introduced that goal to my missionaries at the office, and they said, well, that's, that's, an, that's an incredible goal, Brother Jeff, but it's impossible. I said, I know. I love it. <laughs> we don't have the money. I said, I know, but I know who does. Claiborne Assembly of God, <laughs> they got it all. <laughs> they only cost 500000 apiece. Can you say amen? You've got your faith promise there. Just fill out your monthly pledge. And if you want to do one of these, just write down there your name and phone number. Pastor will call you and we'll take your check. You laugh, but I said that once in a service. And God, this is just the way God is. I, because people always say, how much does a fire Bible cost to make in a foreign language? And I, I, it's incredibly detailed, and I'm not going to bore you with all those details today. It's way beyond my educational level. But God has surrounded me by capable people who understand the concept of translation and, and, and formatting and, and printing and shipping and distribution techniques. They understand all this stuff, so I don't have to. Like old Henry Ford, I don't have to know how to build a car. I just got to know which button to push. <laughs> and I got people around me. When I push their button, they know the answer. Thank God for those people who will never be on a platform but equally share in the fruits of what's going on around this planet. But I tell them, I said, it's incredibly difficult, unique process, but so precious when it's finished. Brother Mike accepted the invitation. I probably should call you Pastor Mizell. I don't know. <laughs> I won't tell you what he called me yesterday. <laughs> That's before I knew I was a missionary. <laughs> yeah. Incredibly expensive, difficult process to get one language finished. They do average around 500000 apiece. But I was in a meeting one time, and I just, I just talk sometimes. I get myself in trouble. But the, the question had been put to me by several people in that, in that small congregation of about 120, 130 people that were there to gather to find out about what Fire Bible was. And, and I just said, well, I'll tell you when I'm talking. And I told them it cost about 500000 apiece, and I'm believing God's going to do it. Someday someone's going to write a check for $500,000 and say, I want one. <laughs> you guys, no one said amen. <laughs> Old Dwayne Jones would have said, my, you're a dead bunch. <laughs> but I'm not Dwayne Jones, so I won't say that. At the end of that service, a businessman out of North Carolina came to the front. He had a real good tan. <laughs> I said, sir, you, you might have look like you have a little bit of Native American in you. He said, a little bit, <laughs> as they talk in North Carolina. I said, how much is a little bit? He says, about 100%. 100% Native American from the Lumbee Indian tribe. But a man who pulled himself up by the bootstraps, picked cotton when he was a kid, and it's an American success story, went out and began to work in a fastening company. And they had a, a stock sharing program. He began to put half his salary into the stock sharing program until he got enough he bought into one of those businesses. Then he bought the guy out, and then he bought another one, then he bought another one. And by the time he got to 80 years old when he was in this service, he owned 14 fastener companies all up and down the East Coast and was a multimillionaire for God. He said, Brother Jeff, you touched my heart. Where do I send my check? I said, well, you can just put it in the offering. He says, no, I, I really need to send you the check. And we're in the second year. He said he promised to give us 500000 a year for four years in a row. He said, if I'm alive, you get it. So pray I stay alive. <laughs> He's 83, so I'm praying in tongues <laughs> that he'll stay alive just a few more years. You say, Jeff, what does that have to do with anything? It has to do with the fact that missions today 
is our seed. It's not our tithe. Our tithe belongs in the house of God where we worship. I don't give my tithe to missions. I give my tithe to the church that I attend three times a year because <laughs> I'm in everyone else's church through the year, but we pay our tithe to our local church. We're not asking for your tithe. We're not asking for the money that you normally use to help the poor in your community. The scripture calls those alms. Those are what you should do out of the generosity of your heart. But beyond that, beyond the tithe, beyond your alms, beyond your normal giving, we're asking you to step into the realm of, of impossibility and say, Lord, if you help me, I want to do something awesome for God this year. I want to see the nations reached. I want to see tribes hear about Jesus Christ that have never heard before. I want to go on the borders where the communists are saying, you will not come here. I want to see the Spirit of God seep under and around and over and get into that land and see something happen. I want to be a part of that, God. You know, I fully believe the American church is not about money. It's about our want to. I usually get whatever I want. I wanted uh, Egg McMuffin with sausage this morning. <laughs> Can you say amen? <laughs> I don't need it, <laughs> but I wanted it. So I rode down there to McDonald's, and I told the young man, give me a sausage McMuffin with egg, and I said, I'm going to take the buns off, and I'm going to scrape the cheese off, and I'm just going to eat the egg and buy the sausage because I'm on a weight reduction plan. I've lost 1,000 pounds. The bad news is I've gained about 1,010. <laughs> so I'm on a full-blown weight reduction program, but when I got that thing in my hand, my want-to took over, and I ate the whole thing. I stand before you well-fed <laughs> under the anointing of God. If I get my want to right, God will put his power with my desire and I will do far more abundantly above and beyond, exceeding anything I can even think of. If I get my desire right, God puts his power with it and impossible things happen. Impossible things happen. Peter and the disciples were told by Christ to feed the 5,000 on the shores of Lake Gennesaret. You remember that story? It's told in three out of the four Gospels. They told him all the reasons why it couldn't be done. Well, Lord, that would take eight months of our money. Now, the Scripture never says they didn't have the money. It said they didn't want to spend the money. That would take way too much. Surely, you're not going to waste our whole treasury on giving someone a meal. Jesus said, feed them. Well, Lord, we just, it's just, everyone talks about Andrew. He was the bringer of people to Jesus. Andrew brought the little boy and said, look, Lord, we've done a canvas. This is all we got. Now, surely we need to, we need to preach a different message today because all we've got is these few fish and a couple of loaves of bread. What is this against so many? <laughs> and the Lord said, feed them. Well, they wouldn't do it. So everyone says, Jesus fed the 5,000, but read your Bible. Read it discerningly. Jesus continued to press, and he made the disciples feed the 5,000 after they told him three times that it couldn't be done. God was putting together a, a, an illustrative sermon for us in our modern day and age. So when he says in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, Go ye therefore into all the world and preach this gospel to every creature, he doesn't want us coming and saying, It costs a lot of money, it's inconvenient. All we've got is 500 people. How can we do it? He wants to know, are we willing to join him in the act of performing the impossible? 
Our missionaries are seeds of our understanding and our faithful belief that if we do what we can do, the difficult, God will do what only He can do, which is the impossible. You have to believe that, and we're not a Pentecostal church. So these men missed it. And Jesus said, okay, give me that bread. He thanked God in heaven and he began to break it off. Jesus didn't put a piece of food in anyone's hand. He put it in the disciples' hands and said, now you go feed my church. And he gave them a piece of bread and a piece of fish. And I guarantee you, if they're normal fishermen that I've been with, they're looking at this and saying, man, I feel stupid. <laughs> Look at all them people. Most missiologists and crowd counters would tell us it was 5,000 men, probably twelve to 13,000 women and children. It was impossible, but... I'm embarrassed. Here's Jesus, <laughs> and he told me to do it. So they go, and they said, here you go, buddy. Here's half of what I got. He gives it to him, and boom, and it appears back in his hand again. He does it again, and boom. <laughs> I think of those two guys from my generation, the 70s. Boom, there it is. <laughs> boom, there it is. <laughs> and the more they gave, the more God supplied. He's a miracle-working God by nature. He doesn't sit up saying, i got to build up my strength and i got to go ask Thor to borrow his hammer. He doesn't say anything stupid like that. The power of heaven resides in his being. And he says, I want my nations to be reached and I want the people that have never heard to be told. Church, feed my people. Feed my people. We're not here today to say it's not possible. We're here to say, Jesus, fix my want to. Help me to want to be a part of what you're doing in a miraculous fashion. Scripture goes on and says, After the 5,000 had finished eating and they all were fed until they wanted no more. I love that. They didn't just get a little nibble and a little one of those little communion wafers that we pass out. I wonder what it's made out of. And I'm not sure it's the body of Christ. But we, we understand. I'm not making fun of communion. Don't get mad at me. I'm just getting, I'm making fun of whatever that stuff is. It's like McDonald's. You put it in your back seat and it lasts for 10 years. <laughs> eat it now, eat it next decade. It's the same thing. <laughs> but after they had had all they want until everyone was satisfied, Jesus said, now pick it up and demonstrate to me the lack of what we had to do this job. They brought back, each of the disciples brought back a basket full of food and set it before the master. It says, and I love the Mark rendition best, but he says, okay, why don't you get in a boat and go on the other side? Well, Jesus, how, how are you, you going to get in the boat with us? Nope. No, I'm going to go off by myself for a while. How many have ever done that? <laughs> your wives have, I know you have, when your husband's giving you fits. Nope, I'm just going in and shut the door to the bedroom. <laughs> You enjoy the couch tonight. <laughs> that was the feeling. A separation in the relationship was taking place because they were blind to the heart of the Savior to reach the masses. He put them in the boat. They went out on the water. The water began to come up in a turmoil. You said, man, I've never read this story. This is the nearly Jeff-inspired version of the Scriptures, but it's in there. You read it. They were out there, and a storm was brewing, and things were going on, and it was the the third or fourth or fifth watch of the night, it was dark and the wind was blowing and the waves were kicking up and here comes Jesus walking on the water. And I love that. <laughs> for the Son of God to walk on water is nothing. It's like Nick Chubb for the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> we got Nick, we're good, man. We don't have Nick, we're toast. 
that Jesus Christ walking upon the water. And Peter finally got his want to right sitting in that boat with 11 other men who still didn't understand it. Said they were confused and fearful because they did not understand. That word understanding means like what pastor used this morning. They did not comprehend what God was trying to say to them. But Peter got it. And I think this is one of the reasons Jesus' heart was knit to Peter. Peter finally got it. There shall be how much impossible with God? Nothing is impossible with the Lord. You say, Jeff, you're yelling. I know. i got a lot to cover and a little time to get there, so I'm going to yell. Maybe it'll get in deeper. But Peter said, Jesus, if it's you, ask me again. <laughs> ask me again to do something that's not possible. Ask me to do something, to go somewhere, to be with someone, to preach a sermon, to believe a healing, to do something that's impossible. Ask me, Jesus, and see if I won't do it this time. I got my want to right, Jesus. <laughs> and Jesus didn't give him a little homily. Oh, my son, you need to do three Hail Marys and four Our Fathers, or you need to give more tithe. And you need to... He didn't say anything. He just looked at Peter. After all that mess, he said, come, <laughs> come. Jesus is waiting for us to partner with him to reach our world with the message of Christ. I can just hear the disciples' conversation on that boat. Peter, shut up, sit down, come on. <laughs> Let's get Jesus in the boat so we can get on with business. Peter knew his business was with God. His business was with his relationship with his Savior. His business was having his heart attuned to what the Father wanted done. Peter got the edge of the boat, stuck his hind end on the gun on that boat. I'm sorry if that offends you, but that's kind of what we call that place back there. Stuck himself on the edge of that boat. Can you imagine what was going through his mind <laughs> just before he let go with his cheeks and got down in the water? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. This is impossible. Nobody walks on water. Nobody. He let go. <laughs> I don't know if he went like this on the way down or not, but he let go. And God made the water firm under Peter's feet. And he began to walk in a miraculous fashion with the Savior. Something that only two men on this planet are recorded, historically accurate renditions, have walked on water. Jesus and the Apostle Peter. People will say, oh, but he fell. How many of you have ever fallen in your walk with Christ and had to get back up? Anyone here? Come on, saints. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> we do it. It's not in the fact that Jesus saves us and we become perfect. He saves us and he begins to raise us like we do our kids. That's the relationship I have with Jesus. I'll never be perfect until I see him who is altogether lovely. And he says to me, well done, Jeff. Now, boom, now you got it made. <laughs> until then, it's me and Jesus <laughs> on the gunnel of that boat saying, oh, God, here I go one more time, one more time. You get your want to right, things begin to happen. I was, as pastor shared, I was had the privilege of being a director in Southeast Asia had about 150 missionaries I was responsible for living in Bangkok, Thailand. And I love the, the name of that city in Thai. It's Grungtep Mahanakon, the city of angels, the Los Angeles of Southeast Asia. There is no angels in that city. <laughs> I didn't see, I seen a lot of demons, but I didn't see any angels. But that's the name of Grungtep Mahanakon. I'd been the director for about a year and a half, and I was using all my strength. 
and all my anointing and all my history and all my training and all my experience as a man, as a pastor of a church, as someone who had a construction background. I was putting all of my expertise and I, I could see I was blowing it. I had 231 million people that had been laid upon my shoulders. It was my responsibility to see that they heard who Jesus Christ was, and I knew I couldn't do it. 550-plus distinct dialects that the people spoke in those five countries. I didn't have the missionaries. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the time. And I came this close to just calling it off and saying, Lord, I'm just going to stay in my office and write some good reports and send some good newsletters. But the Lord said, oh, Jeff, but they need to hear. They need to hear. I said, I don't have the missionaries to send to them. Well, if you don't have missionaries, get something to go with them. <laughs> and God put on my heart fire Bible. And I became as a partner on the field. So almost 20 years ago, we began to work on the Lao fire Bible. And we, we finished that one. Then we went to Thai. And then we went to Cambodia. And then we went to Vietnamese. Vietnamese took me 20 years, three months to finish that thing. Can you say amen? If you've ever fought the Vietnamese, <laughs> they're not easy to get along with at all. We finished the Burmese, we finished the Chin, we finished the Lisu, we finished the Karin, we finished the Hmong. We put those Bibles into the hands of leaders. And God began to do something great. Your faith promise this morning is your want to. That's what it is. I don't, I don't mean to offend anyone here, but I'm going to tell you a little story. I'm almost out of time. Pastor said I had to quit at 1130 because he had something he wanted to share. Isn't that right? <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't choke me at all. He says, my people love missions. They'll stay till 1 o'clock. And you're saying, oh, no, we won't. <laughs> I know. I've sat where you're sitting, too, wondering, will he ever shut up? I was preaching down in Lakeland, Florida, to a great church, uh, some 7,000 strong in three services. Huge church. But God had laid on my heart. I was talking to the missions pastor the night before service, and, and he's a hunter like I am. And, again, if that offends you, I don't mean to offend you, but it's just part of my life. And I, I'm a hunter, and I wanted to get a 300, a Browning 300 wind mag, a stainless steel stalker <laughs> with a loophole scope with 50-millimeter reticle and a flash suppressor on the end of it. Can you say amen? Anyone here know what I'm talking about? Bolt-action weapon that would take anything down on the planet. And I had decided on my missionary salary <laughs> that I was going to have one of these. <laughs> and, uh, but I didn't have the money. So I stood up in front of the congregation. I said, you know, I, I'm going to get this somehow because I want it. I want it. And I'm an American. I'll figure out a way. I'll skip my coffee for a few weeks. I'll, 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 I'll quit eating so much. That would save a lot of money right there. <laughs> I'll do whatever I got to do, and I'll, I'll find a way to get it because I want it a carnal gift that I wanted for myself. And I, and I shared with them, I said, that's the same way it is with missions. If it's something I want, and I'll join my thoughts with God, his ability to do the impossible will join with me, and I'll walk on water. I shared that in the first service. I offended half the congregation, I'm sure, but after it was over, the missions pastor, a man by the name of McBride, brought a fellow up to me. His name happened to be Gunn. <laughs> Gary Gunn. Can you believe that? Miracles. <laughs> That's right up there with feeding the 5,000, isn't it? <laughs> and he was a member of the board, and I thought, oh, he's coming to work me over. And so I talked about something horrible on Sunday morning from the platform. And he came up, and he had tears in his eyes, and he said, 
Brother Jeff, I want to give you that gun. I said, no, no, I wasn't telling that story to get something for myself. He said, oh, no. God spoke to me in the congregation, and I wanted to just pick on him a little bit. I said, what did God sound like? <laughs> and he said, I can tell you exactly what he sounded like because I heard his voice before. I said, really? He said, yeah. Me and my wife was on a motorcycle ride from, from the West Coast coming all the way back to Colby, Kansas. It's somewhere in Colorado. The wind kind of blew up over the road. We lost control of our sickle doing about 75 miles an hour. And, of course, it was a horrible accident. He said, I spent six weeks in the hospital. But he said, my wife became a quadriplegic. She doesn't even know I'm there. And I've been caring for her for the last two years after she spent the first six months in the Colby Medical Center. I love her with all my heart. It's putting me in mind of our situation here. So I love her with all my heart, but the bills began to rack up. They began to get higher and higher and higher, and, and everyone told me, they said, go bankrupt. And he said, I'm not going bankrupt. That's my baby. I'm not going to declare bankruptcy over my baby. <laughs> and, and he said, so he, I kept telling the Colby Medical Center, I'll pay you everything I have at the end of the month is going straight to you. And he began to do that for the first year and into the second year. And he said, I was griping, standing over the sink, because he had to quit his job for full-time care. Standing over the sink. He's washing dishes and complaining to God. And he says, I heard God's voice. And he said, Gary, do you trust me? He said, sir, I trust you. He said, I got this, Gary. I got this. He said, yeah, but these people are harassing me for this money, and I don't know what I'm going to do. He says, Gary. I got this. I got it. He said, I'm doing dishes, and I heard the voice of the Lord, and the telephone rang. That's back when we still had them hung on the wall. He said, I picked up the phone. She says, hello, this is some sweet young girl. She didn't know she was calling me an old bear. <laughs> she, she said, I'm so-and-so from Colby Medical Center in Kansas. May I talk to Mr. Gunn? He said, I told you people not to call me. I told you I'm giving you everything I have. And she said, please, sir, may I tell you that we had a board meeting last night. He said, well, I'm not going to go bankrupt, and you'll just have to take what I give you. She said, the board met and saw your faithfulness in this situation and voted 100% to forgive the $1.3 million that you owe. It's completely paid for and wiped off the books. The 130-some thousand that you've managed to pay, the board says write him a check and reimburse him. <laughs> Isn't that just like our Lord? <laughs> that's just like God. So he said, Jeff, when you told me about your want to, and that's all it was, God spoke to me again and says, you've got that gun in your cabinet at home. Give it to Brother Jeff. <laughs> he gave me that gun. I want to tell you, it's precious to me. Just a stupid old gun. But what it represents is a God who has more than enough to meet all my needs, not according to my job, not according to what I've done in the past, not according to the economy that's going to shreds around us, but according to his riches and glory, according to his son, the same son who said, feed him. <laughs> Boom, there it is. <laughs> I'm, I'm fixing to be done. You notice I said I'm not done. I'm just fixing to be done. There was a, a man in Wachula, Florida, who happened to be a children's pastor, and he was teaching his kids about giving money to missions, making a difference around the world. And so he passed out his homemade faith promise to his kids, just little kids. He said, do what you think you can, but pray and have a conversation with God, and then fill it out. 
So he collects them at the end of the meeting and goes home, was watching the dolphins lose, had his feet up, and uh, he starts looking through these faith promises. Susie's given five this year, and Billy's doing 25. God bless, God bless Billy, you know, just on and on. He whips on this one. It says $11,000. He looked at it, and he had a heart attack. It was his son. Because how many of you know that a father is responsible for his son until he's 18 years of age? And now it's sometimes 24, 25, or 30 or beyond. So he called him in there, and he says, son, what are you thinking? I said, what do you mean, what am I thinking, Dad? You said have a conversation with God, so I did. I just talked to him. And he said, I felt like he said, how many years have you been alive? I'm 11. Well, you think you can give $1,000 for every year you've been alive? Now, some of us, that would scare us to death, wouldn't it? He said, I can do that if you'll help me. He says, I'll help you. Write it down. He says, so, Daddy, I prayed. And he says, well, okay, that's pretty cool. You don't want to step on your kid's faith, right? And he says, so how are you going to do it? He says, that's not my responsibility, Dad. My responsibility is to write it down and work like I mean it and then trust God for the rest. He's just like, wow, he must have been listening in church when he was sleeping on that front row. He said, okay, how do you think you and God are going to do this? And he said, give me 50 buddy barrels from the BGMC program. And he took them buddy barrels and asked his dad's help because he had a car and 11 years old you're not supposed to drive. And he went to the police station, he went to the fire station, he went to the mayor's office, he went on his bus, he went to the deacons of the church, he went to the grandparents on both sides of the family who, as we know, are the font of all blessing. And this was his mantra. God told me to give you this, and I'm going to come back once a month to find out how much you love Jesus. (laughs) Isn't that just a sweet story, Jesus? (laughs) Pastor David Boyd told me he was there at the service when they took took the end of the year offering up. They wheeled his offering in in a hand truck, if you know what that is. A dolly, we call them. 30 gallon garbage can full of money. Most of it coins, but there's a lot of bills and some checks got thrown in on the way. (laughs) $17,000 in change had come in because of that boy's faith. Give the Lord a hand, yes. What was his pledge the next year, you say? God's not going to go down, so it must be at least 17,000. You say, well, Jeff, those are interesting stories. What's that have to do with me? The typical way that that we approach faith promises is this. What did I do last year? Can I increase it 5 or 10%? That's this typical American culture. But what I want you to do this morning is look at this and say, Lord, if you really said for us to reach the world through our missionaries, through our pastor in Mexico, Mexico, if if you really wanted us to do that, and I want to be a part, help me to put something down on this piece of paper that's going to require a miracle intervention from your throne room of grace. Randy Hurst says this way, if your faith promise doesn't scare you to death, it's probably not faith, it's probably just good Christian budgeting. Every time I preach this, I get under conviction. My wife hates it when I do missions convention. Instead of just raising money for fire Bibles, I go home and say, we got to do more. <laughs> we got to do more. I preach myself under. God help us today. Pastor, start coming. I'll never quit. Today, Fill it out in faith, okay? I, I haven't, I've tried to not 
manipulate. I'm not trying to manipulate. I don't get any more. You're not paying my salary. It's not for me. It's for those 5,000 hungry men in groups of 50 on a Judean hillside. And Jesus said to us, his disciples, I want you to feed them. And I know that you can. Trust me in this thing. God bless you, church. Amen. I want you to take that faith promise card. I want you to hold it. We're going to pray over that. What a, what a great message. What a great challenge. Again, this is how we set our missions budget for the next year. And some of you may be new in our church family and maybe even new to the concept of the faith promise. Uh, but this is something that, again, we partner with our missionaries in a very, a very tangible way for them to be able to go, go into all the world and share the message of Jesus. Uh, we've, we've got churches on every corner. Not every place does. Not every place does. In fact, most of the places in the world, it would be illegal to be doing what we're doing here today. So we've been Im immensely blessed here in America. And, and again, there's no manipulation. There's no guilt. We're just going to trust God to do something incredible. And uh, so I, I want you to take that faith promise and, and again, I'm going to ask the guys that are going to be the ushers if they'll stand in the back because we're going to also go ahead and as we get ready to dismiss here in a moment, uh, we're going to have our ushers that will be back there for the special offering and they'll take your faith promise card as well. My wife and I want to give the first $500 to the uh, Silk Road Project. So uh, I'll get that to, hey, Johnny, would you come on up here, sir? I want to go ahead and. You're almost there. <laughs> no, I'm messing with you. So we want to do the first $500 to the, the Silk Road project. And we want to, again, we want to pray. And, and, and they're going to stand. Uh, you can go on back there, Johnny. Uh, we'll be ready for lunch time you get to the back. And uh, no, I'm just messing. I'm just. <laughs> uh, but, but if you'll take that and, and, and just hold it in your hand. And we're going to pray. And then, uh, and then as soon as I get done praying, uh, guys, if you would lead us in a song, uh, we're going to sing and then we'll dismiss and be done. Father, today I thank you for this missions day. Lord, it's not something that we approach lightly. It's not something that we do just to fill a, a day on the calendar. It really means something. Lord, your word and your command to the church is to go. And Lord, we can't all go. But we can partner with those who answer that call to go, and it is our job and our responsibility. I thank you for the heart of this church that for the last 30 years at least, we have sown into ministry, given well over $3 million to missions in the last 30 years, and I thank you for that commitment. Lord, I pray today as we make our faith promises for the next year, Lord, again, it may be a new concept to us, and we may not quite understand, but Lord, here's an opportunity Lord, for us to take that bold step of faith. So, Father, I pray that you'll speak now by the, by the Holy Spirit into, into our spirits as to what we can do for missions. Uh, Lord, and I pray that we write that down. And then also we pray over the Fire Bible offering. Thank you for what Fire Bible does. Uh, Lord, the 70 languages that uh, they've worked on and have accomplished or, or, or finished, the new ones that are coming Lord, we, we thank you for the dedication uh, of our missionaries that go and labor in places as Marcy goes to a place that 
uh, 98% are not believers and on TCU campus that uh, again they're just the harvest is plentiful Lord but the laborers so Lord help us we ask you bless the faith promises Lord make a way Lord you already know what you're going to do that's what's part of that story is you told them to feed the people but you already knew what you were going to do Lord you already know how you're going to take our extra $25 or $100 whatever it is you already know how you're going to take that and reach lost people and Father for our special offering today you already know how you're going to take that and invest into the Silk Road project there in Kazakhstan with the Fire Bible and Father I pray that you would honor our faith and our step of faith right now as we fill out our faith promise card we ask your blessings and your guidance in Jesus name Amen if you'll take that moment and just fill it out and, and hear, go ahead and lead in the song. And at the end of the song, we'll have you stand and we'll dismiss. More than riches, more than power. I need Jesus more than anything. Every minute. Every hour, you're welcome to stand and sing as you fill that out. Help me, Jesus, not ashamed to say I need you more than I ever had before. I need you.
many know that if you have Jesus, you have enough. Take this whole world, but give me Jesus. That's it. He's the answer to our questions. He's the answer to the questions we don't even know we have. It's Jesus. Thank you so much. I want to pray over you today. Uh, don't forget, next Sunday kicks off a brand new sermon series. Uh, I kick off a series next week entitled Foolproof. F-O-O-L, Foolproof. Uh, we'll do that next week. And Wednesday nights, I started a new series on standing on His promises. We're, we're studying the promises of God in our Wednesday night adult school of the Bible. So just make yourself available to some of these great ministries. Uh, before I pray, I do want to say a big thank you to Crystal and Dorian. I didn't want to embarrass them, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, Crystal and, and Dorian are going to be moving off. And uh, how, how, Crystal, how long you guys, how long you been here? How many? 21 years. Yeah. This, this preacher's sad this morning. I'm happy, but I'm sad. Dorian, you guys are such a blessing to us, have been. Um, I just will tell you that if it doesn't work, wherever you're going, it'll work still here. We got the door open for you. He's a chef. You didn't know that. And, and I told him, I said, when you get your food truck open, Drive it down here, and we'll have a special Sunday where we'll have a Dorian food truck, son. You going to do Cajun gumbo and stuff like that? There we go. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, but we bless them. Godspeed to them. Uh, make sure you greet them. Missionaries, I'm going to go ahead and dismiss you guys if you want to go back to your tables. And please stop by and, and take a prayer card and visit with them. Encourage them. Uh, esteem them. It, I think it's important. And. Uh, Jeffrey, thank you so much. You blessed us today. Didn't, wasn't that a wonderful message? Challenging word. Such a such a delight. I enjoyed spending time with him. Um, he didn't tell you. He didn't. He didn't want to say I outfished him yesterday, but I'm gonna give them all to him. <laughs> Love you guys. Thank you for thank you for being part of my family. Looking forward to what God's gonna do. Amen. Father, I thank you today. What a wonderful day. We get to celebrate souls being saved. Lord, that's what it's all about. We're not a religious club. We're a, we're a rescue station. And if we're not rescuing people from the grasp of hell itself, we're not doing what you called us to do. Let us let that ever be present in our mind. Again, we speak blessings on our missionaries and their labors. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness of your people as we continue to fund the gospel expansion around the world. I ask you to bless the offering now, as again, as we leave for the Silk Road Project. Multiply it like you did the loaves and the fish. And Lord, may we get a good start on that Silk Road Project. Go with us today. Give us a great day. May we walk as ambassadors of Christ wherever we go. May we take the light that's within and shine in the dark places that we find ourselves this week. Lord, if we wake up in the morning, let us wake up with a spring in our step, a song in our heart, and let us take the message of Jesus wherever we go. I love and I bless each one here in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Thank you for being with us online. I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you, and I love you very much. You are the answer, my only answer. I need you, Jesus.
Jesus. More.